Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. of the Battlefield show, which will be the last of the Battlefield shows. Huh? A, a, a momentous moment. Uh, I, I mean, some would say iconic. Um, Don't worry, the podcast is going nowhere. We're, it's simply a, a rebranding, if you will. It's um, It's been due. Um, I have been humming and hawing. Uh, a good old Scottish saying, humming and humming and hawing, humming and hawing. Um, that sounds like a good name for a a Gaelic uh, double act. Please, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage at the uh, Coliseum, humming and hawing. <laughs> one's got an accordion, one's got a fiddle. We are humming and hawing from all the way up north. I don't know why they've got a bit Irish. From all the way up north, so far north of Scotland, that we're actually Irish. That's how far north we've gone. If you go as far as Orkney, and you keep going north, you get to Greenland, and then Iceland, and you keep going north, and then eventually you'll get to Ireland, and that's where we're from. We're humming and hawing. And welcome. Good evening. Um, so we rebranded it. Um, so you may see the, the title of the podcast change, and the images changed. Uh, but don't worry, as long as you subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you, you get your bloody podcast on, then you'll still be able to hear my dulcet tones uh, once a week, every Wednesday. And if you're sitting going, I can't wait until next Wednesday to get another dose of the big man's ramblings, well, why not become a patron? 
um, you'll get two podcasts a week, as well as access to uh, all the other goodies that are on there. So uh, consider doing that. Patreons get Wednesday um, podcast early. It drops to them on a Tuesday. And they also get a, an extra podcast every single Friday. Um, so if you would like to get some extra stuff from the show and support the show, then please become a patron. And you can do so at Patreon. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Right. Episode 40, man. This is now officially um, a sad point in the show as well because I've realised I have now done more episodes of this podcast in lockdown than I had in real life. When we had a life, when there was hope in our hearts, joy in our voices, and now... I mean, we're, st- we're still technically bore deep in a global pandemic but it um it, it just feels as if there's a glitch in the matrix it feels as if life is returning to normal but yet very important things that make life livable are, are still off limits you know like I was going to say like being in pubs and, and certainly being in comedy clubs, but, but I imagine most of you will have been in a pub now and I imagine some of you will have even been in a pub like the ones you've seen in the news that's fucking ram-packed that feels like a pub used to feel like. So, I don't know. I don't bloody know anymore. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, at the, I'm less close to just going, fuck it. Going and buying a, a hut in Cambodia and raising goats or whatever it is they do out there. Seems like a good life, doesn't it? Seems like a good life. But um, how have you been? I hope you are well. I hope you're safe. Uh, thank you, as always, um, we should say at the top of the show, to everyone who has subscribed and who listened to episode 39. And also thank you to all of you who uh, listened to From Russia With Love, which was the Patreon episode that went out last week as well. So thanks to everybody who got in touch about that. Um, I did a kind of, I mean, can you call it a gig? It was as close to a gig setup as I have been since lockdown started. And um, it was on Saturday, just gone. And it was, believe it or not, in a, in a bar in Shawlands, which is the south side of Glasgow, which I used to live in Shawlands, um, called the Corona. I'm still laughing. The the Corona is a famous pub in the south side of Glasgow. Right? It's been it's been it's been there for years. It's been there for I would say all of my life. I don't know if it was ever called anything else or if it's always been called the Corona. But for as long as I've known it as the Corona, and um, I mean, what are the chances that the first kind of gig that you do after your whole diary, your whole living has been wiped out by coronavirus and the first gig you do is in a pub called the corona <laughs> it's just you couldn't write this stuff know what i mean but it was it was lovely so it wasn't a stand-up gig because we can't do stand-up um in an environment and inside a pub we could do it outside a pub um that i've not we'll talk about that in a minute because i don't really understand that but Anyway, so it was a it was a pub quiz. We were doing a pub quiz on a on a Saturday night. I've been hosting a quiz uh, since lockdown began, 
um, every Wednesday on Facebook, on my Facebook page. Started off as something to do, a bit of banter, something to kind of, you know, feel as if we were still in that kind of gig vibe, if you like. Um, and I had I had no idea we'd still be doing it this long. I honestly thought at the start, lockdown was going to last a couple of weeks. I really did. And here we are, four and a half, almost five months later, still doing the quiz every single Wednesday. Um, so you can play along this evening, 8.30, on my Facebook page. But um, the guy who owns the pub, the Corona, is a good friend of mine. Um, he, he's got a number of different venues. And he got in touch and asked if, if I would do one. And I said, of course, uh, I'd love to. And then I became very nervous, very, very nervous, um, almost to the point where I have not, I've not experienced nerves like this for a long, long time. People, people often, people think that stand-up comedy, right, and comedians are almost like mythical creatures, right, little, little, little magicians, you know, because public speaking to a lot of people is terrifying terrifying right the idea of for example getting up in front of work colleagues and and having to talk to them or do a presentation and work or something like to a lot of people it is terrifying so when they see a comedian on stage being funny you know making a crowd laugh or probably more so in Scotland or the West, you get a lot in Manchester, those kind of areas, pretty much the same kind of vibe of people, when we talk to the audience and we banter, to to some, to the kind of average, you know, fan or average audience member, when they see a, a comedian banter like that and go back and forth with the audience, it blows their mind, especially if you get a joke out of it or it leads to laughter or, you, or when you tie it all back in because... The idea of doing that is so far detached from, from their normal life, it seems impossible. And also the idea that they think they think you're a magician. You know, they think, how, how the fuck did they get his name and his job and then somehow tie them all in to make them into this weird magical story? It's a muscle, right? Some people are good at doing crowd work. Some people are not. I'm good at doing crowd work. I enjoy it. I like hosting. I like being an MC. We've talked about this before. So I find that easy. And uh, so when I first ever started stand-up, I had to take a day off work because I was so nervous. Um, and, and that level of nerves, the very first proper gig that I did, um, I, I didn't breathe for the whole seven, eight minutes. Never took a breath, almost passed out when I was finished because, again, I was just so nervous. And at that point, it was, I felt as if it was a bit more performance rather than what it is now where it's just very relaxed and it is just me talking. Yes, I do have, you know, some idea of what the stories are or I'll know what I want to say, but it is very relaxed and I will kind of meander off in different, meander, meander, I will kind of walk off in different places in the story. But when I first started, the nerves were fucking awful and... Over time, and quite quickly, I'd say over a couple of months, those nerves went from having to take a full day off to basically half an hour before I went on stage, and then the nerves would kick in. And now, um, before obviously COVID, before the lockdown, those nerves, 
really uh, were completely gone up until the point you walk on. All right, so I would be standing off stage, for example, and if I was hosting, you know, you're waiting to be called on by usually the, the tech um, and to be announced on the stage. So I wouldn't be nervous right up to that point when I'm just standing myself, whether it's in the corridor or whether it's off stage or behind the curtain, whatever it may be. And then when you hear your name, you begin to walk on. And for me, the nerves will live with me until I get to the mic. And then almost as soon as I touch the microphone, it, it, it goes. It's the only way I can just, it just It just goes. And... Uh, I feel I feel comfortable again, and then I do I do what I have to do, I do my job. And if it's a tour show, um, the nerves are slightly higher, slightly more, slightly higher nerves, increased nerves for a bit longer. And it's just because I am not famous enough that I'm selling big rooms. I'm certainly not famous enough that everybody in the room will know who I am, and I'm conscious of that, and not in a not in a negative way. Um, that fuels you if you like and keeps you on your toes because I know that probably half of the room will never have seen me before will never have heard of me and they've maybe been brought there by someone who came and saw me on the previous tour you know so you have to work that little bit harder because half the room will be with you instantly and the other half will be sitting going alright then fatty you told me you're funny so you're the funniest and that's again not a negative thing you just need to you know, use that energy if you like to, you know, kind of control the gig, put authority on it, and move on. It's fine. But um, as soon as the gig was confirmed, um, I was fuck. I was shitting myself. I was absolutely shitting myself. And again, I think it's because I haven't done anything since the first week in March, second week in March, and. Um, I was nervous to see how it was going to go. I have not been in a pub yet. I'd been in two, one beer garden and one sitting outside a pub. Um, so I, I'd never actually been in a pub at a weekend yet. So I didn't know what it was like. I didn't know if, for example, can you stand at the bar? Because um, let, let's just paint a picture. Before this, if we were doing a gig in a pub, right, if I'm doing a stand-up show in a pub, I know that either it's going to be a separate room or most of the people who are there are going to be there for the comedy, right? But there'll be people milling about, they'll be packed in, you can make it feel like a gig environment. I didn't know what this was going to be like. I didn't know if you had to book just for the quiz, I didn't know if you could be in the bar, I didn't know if you could stand at the bar. And so when I turned up to the Corona, thankfully uh, Chris, who I know, sound guy, the tech engineer, was there and that instantly made you feel at ease because you've got someone who you know and you trust and knows you and he's with you for the night. And um, again, it was kind of quite well spaced out and, and you had to be uh, seated at a table uh, by the staff and there's a one-way system around the, around the pub. And to go off slightly on, on to something else, if if there is if there is a, a second wave, so they describe it as that, or there is another lockdown, I know that we are in the kind of mindset just now where we're trying to encourage independent businesses, whether that be a pub or a restaurant or a cafe, whatever it may be, 
and we're trying to encourage people to shop in these places and use those facilities and, and use their your expertise or whatever it is and hire these people and that kind of thing. But if the country does go back into another lockdown, the people and the businesses who have done nothing to safeguard the virus, I mean, they're never going to be named in shame, but I really would like to see them go because I have been in, like I said, I've been to two bars here in Edinburgh, right? Uh, one of them was a, a kind of beer, it's, it's an odd thing because it's like, they have like a kind of beer garden at the front, it's not really a beer garden, it's an outside area at the front and then they have the inside of the building, so obviously you're sitting outside and uh, in fact, I think I talked about it on the podcast, it may have been the Patreon episode, you sit outside, you order through your phone, um, they deliver it to you, you pay contactless, there's no cash, um, the staff themselves you sit at a table quite a distance from another table well over two meters and there's a smaller table in front of your table like almost like a wee bedside table your drinks or your food whatever you order is placed on that table and uh, then you collect it so you don't even actually interact with a member of staff okay and uh, then we went to another pub and when when i went to walk in uh, all I could see, it was living in the football, it was just a sea of people, just a sea of people, and uh, this one of the staff actually says, we can't fit anybody else in here, and I was like, no kidding, and we sat outside and had a drink, and when I look at those contrasts, I, I, ju- I just worry as to how much businesses are still taking it, because there are, listen, there are some that are fully on it, and there are those, I think, who are lax, just as there are people who are still fully on it, people who are lax. Now, you go back to the corona, the, the staff couldn't, they could not have done any more. Um, it was it was amazing, actually, to even see it. One door in, one door out, you can't go in at the same door, so there's a one-way system around the, around the pub. Um, all the staff had masks, face coverings on. It's the first time I've seen that in a bar, actually, where all the staff are wearing face coverings. They all had gloves on. Tables were getting cleaned, um, the floor was getting mopped constantly. I was making a joke of it as the night was going on. So the quiz ran for about two and a half hours. We ran for about eight to about quarter to eleven, so it was just over two and a half hours. And uh, we were trying to get around to last 30 minutes. That's the way we thought we'd space it out. And then every half hour they were coming around with a mop, doing the floor between the tables, getting the tables a spray. I'm like, it's like clockwork, you know. They had hand sanitizers in every point of the pub. Um, as soon as you went in and out of the toilets, the, the toilets were manned, so they were controlled. There was space for you to stand in a kind of hallway, so you weren't clogging up trying to get to the bathroom. Even when I went through into the back, again, which I was impressed because I imagine there's a lot of businesses when, if it's not public facing, so the public can't see it, you know, fucking all bets are off kind of thing. So, like, in the back, when it's just staff, you know, they're all just fucking... Milling about, masks off, fucking pumping each other, spraying jelly, we're no caring, but went through the back and there was a door and it had kind of like almost police taped in it and I said, there's something happened to you? And she went, no, that's just so that, you know, staff know that that's the kitchen point, so kitchen staff have got their own entrance and exits, they don't walk through here and the food doesn't pass through here and none of the bar staff can get through in the kitchen, the kitchen staff can't get through here, it keeps that all separate and I'm going, fuck it, like little things you would not think about 
but they were so on it, you know, and it was it was brilliant to see it. And, and I think that everybody who had came in or out of that pub would not have left thinking, even if you had fears over contracting the virus or spreading it, there's no way for a second you could have had any fears over that. Um, one other thing about the night, again, as I was standing, kind of getting set up, some woman came in and just started moaning at staff. Just started complaining about staff. Something about wording of a Facebook post from the pub. And all I kept thinking was, like, everything that's going on in the world now, people still find something to moan about. Or something, to, You know, like, people's attitude just hasn't changed. I know we're, I laugh and I joke sometimes when I say, how naive are we to think that we might have came out of this better people? If anything, we've, we've come out, maybe not worse, but the exact same or if no people have shown their true colours. Cunts will always be cunts, you know, that'll never change. Like, no, no, a global pandemic, millions, you know, over a million people dead worldwide, that will not stop cunts being cunts. They can only conceal that for so long. Um, But I, the, the nerves, man, the nerves before the gig were unreal, were unreal. And then as soon as we started, uh, and I had a bit of banter, um... A wee bit of banter like I, I try and do on the on the live quiz that we do on Facebook. But it's just such a difference when it's face to it's just such a difference when there's audience there. Such a difference. And all I kept thinking the whole time is I am desperate to get back and do a gig, man. Desperate to get back and do a gig. I'd I'd love nothing more right now than just to to get a wee room and if I could fill it with a hundred people. And, and do a gig, man. I would absolutely love it. it. It also for me, I have I have seen some friends doing like um, some of the drive-in gigs in London or some of the gigs that the comedy stores put on, and they are kind of set up in like a park, and there's quite some distance between them and the audience. And and that I I have I, I'm jealous in the sense of I want to be back gigging and feel that energy but I uh, I honestly can't think of anything worse for the art form of comedy and, and certainly the type of comedy that I do than a drive-in gig or one of these gigs where they are you know quite some distance from you I, I really can't um and just being back in the pub again just reminds me of, you know, that, that sense of being able to touch an audience or be able to see an audience, see the reaction, interact with them is, is the thing that, I think that's the thing that I enjoy the most about gigging. Being able to see the the whites in people's eyes, the fear in their face, you know. But shout out to the Corona and all the staff and everybody who made it along Um I had a great night. Uh, it was just, it was just, it was great to little things, simple things. Being in a car, right? Being having my gig clothes back on, which is the same clothes I wear all the time, but black t-shirt, black jeans. Getting a shower, getting dressed in gig clothes, and driving to a gig. Even something as simple as that was a, a just a joy to to experience that again because. I have felt like we're not going to, there's a chance I'm never going to get that again. You know, that's, that's I suppose, in the, in the lowest points, that's what it's felt like. But uh, 
Aye, huge, huge, huge shout out to everybody at the Corona. And uh, I don't, I don't know what's coming up. I don't know if there's anything planned, but if we can, um, there's things I'd probably change. Um, and again, one thing before we move on: pubs and restaurants. See if there is. See if you are a person, or see if you do this at all. Or you've, if you've done it in the past, draw a line under it. See if you reserve a table in a pub, or you reserve a table in a restaurant, and then you don't turn up, or you don't cancel that. You are a fucking bag of human waste. It's the it's the only way I can describe you. You are a bag of human waste. Don't do it, man. Just don't be a fucking cunt. That should just be the motto for everybody now. Just don't be a cunt. They had a couple of tables in the pub that were reserved. People didn't turn up. You know, and then the staff are anxiously putting other people in that arrive. And, and the concern that, you know, if somebody did turn up, they'd kick off because it's Glasgow and that's what people would do. Or, or we've seen it, I'm sure you mostly have read news articles or saw news articles recently since the, the whole restaurant's reopening. People who are reserving tables and then no appearing, no turning up, no even phoning to cancel. There, there should be a cancellation fee. I think so. You know, I had it gone one of these food markets we went to two weekends ago. You know, I had to, I had to reserve a table for the three of us and it was told black and white to put in my card details. And we were told if we didn't arrive um, 15 minutes after the, our time slot, right? So you get a 15 minute window or contact them to cancel within 24 hours. Then you would be charged £10 a head, right? So that would have been 30 quid, a, a table for three booked. So that would have been 30 quid. And that's probably, I mean, that's steep, right? It's a lot of money. Certainly a fucking lot of money than now. You imagine if you had a a table for eight, and this is the news story I saw a restaurant in Edinburgh, a table for eight booked, and this is a fancy restaurant, man, right? This isn't a, you know, this isn't a burger and chips. This is a, you know, one of these, they do tasting menus, right? Fucking seven course stuff that's landed off the coast of Sky and hand washed between somebody's arsehole, right? It's high, high end bullshit. So you're talking what? Three courses and a couple of drinks? You could be, you could be 60 quid, you could be 80 quid, you could be £100 a head. A table for eight, didn't turn up. That could be the best part of a grand that that restaurant is losing out in because people just don't have the decency to cancel. So that that's, I mean, that's boiling my piss in there, man. So if, if you are going out to eat or you're going out to the pub or something like that, in the situation you're in, you have to reserve a table. Just, just go, man. Just go, and if you can't make it, phone and cancel. They'll understand. Do you know what I mean? If anything, they'd appreciate that more. But to the wonderful staff at the Corona, and if you live in the south side of Glasgow, get over there, man. It's a great pub. The food's amazing, and the staff are absolutely wonderful. So get over to the Corona. Great wee pub. Right, um, what's been happening then? I suppose... What have we got here? Um, I'm just looking at my notes. I'm trying to think about what we're doing. Do you know what? Let's just do this first. I was going to talk about the, the government's um, dinner thing. Dinner ticket for adults. I've got it's a dinner ticket. Since we're on the um, the kind of restaurant thing. But I'm going to do this first though. I saw this on um, Twitter. 
today. And it's spectacular. Um, it's basically, uh, let's just say Scottish scumbags. I'm pretty sure they're Glaswegian, right, or from the west of Scotland. But they're, they're scum, nonetheless. And uh, the it's, it's basically a fight on an airplane, right? Now, apparently, uh, the flight is a KLM flight. And um, Amsterdam to Ibiza. Amsterdam to Ibiza. And it uh, kicks off because the fucking Bob Igwell only put a mask on, right? And it kicks off spectacularly. And it's beautiful. And uh, I'll play the video for you now. And the thing is, it's... Um, I, I, I don't know the full story behind it. It seems as if, from what I could read online, they couldn't get flights to Ibiza directly or they couldn't get to Ibiza, so they've gone to Amsterdam first and then they've gone from Amsterdam to Ibiza, right, to try and kind of beat the, the kind of quarantine lockdown system or some bullshit. It's just, again, scumbags. Scumbags, you know. So, uh, enjoy this. I'm sorry. You're a fucking bomb, Look at him. Are you telling me I'm scared of you? What? What a line to go out on. Are you telling me I'm scared of you? A, a, a grown man who has been pinned to the floor uh, by a, a group of uh, passengers, other passengers. I also like the Dutch guys to go, there are children on board. There are there are children on board. Mate, these are Dutch kids. If, if they live in or near Amsterdam or any part of Holland, I imagine they have seen far worse than an asshole drunken Glaswegian being wrestled to the floor. There are, there are children. There are children. Fucking wrap it up, hands. Seems as if, uh, because he's not wearing a face mask, refused to wear a face mask. Although the boy at the end has got the old face mask around the chin. So, you know, unless he's a fish and he's got gills, watch out for the droplets. But when I saw that video, I just thought, I mean, people make Glasgow. I see only th people make Glasgow. You know? We make it as if we are this, oh, hey, we're, we're Scott, man, we're, we're amazing people. We are. And a lot of us are. But there is a vast majority of uh, people in the West and Scotland who are like that guy. <laughs> it's, the, it's the wee, it's that wee kind of cowardly punch that the guy gets in. Amazing. As soon as I, as soon as I saw it, as soon as I saw the video, without even hearing audio, I'm like, Scottish. Pasty, that kind of corned beef skin, just that look, fighting on a plane, gone to Ibiza, man. Now listen, there are people who I know of, and I'm sure there are people who you know of, hey, you might even be one of those people, I'm certainly one of those people, were struggling. 
if it wasn't for my missus, my amazing missus, no joke, I'd be homeless, right? I'd be, I'd be either back at my mother's, I'd be crowd, crowd surfing. I mean, I would be, I would be crowd surfing. I'd be couch surfing, right? I'd be in a friend's house trying to find somewhere to stay, because my industry certainly has been decimated by uh, COVID nineteen. Fucking shot in the arse. There's people who have lost savings, you know, cleaned it in a terrible situation, but yet fucking second-rate drug dealing scumbags like that are away on holiday at Ibiza. Let's just let's just enjoy that one more time, shall we? Let's just let's just enjoy this one more time. Look him. Everybody's on that. Hey, Franco, sit down. I love, I love that the the air steward is still trying. To, as soon as possible, as soon as possible, we'll have him taken from the aircraft. <laughs> oh, as soon as soon as possible, we'll have him taken from the aircraft. I mean, the the other thing, right, that, I mean, obviously, take aside what's happening here, look how busy that plane is. You know, you're telling me I can't stand in a pub or a comedy club with 100 people and do a gig for an hour, but you can stick, what, 150 on a plane, fucking jammed in like a tin of sardines and flying them out to Spain for four hours. This, this is what I'm talking about when people get fucking mad about stuff. Every single day, it is contrasting information, contrasting images, constantly. Everything contradicts each other. Is that intentional? I'm starting to think it is. I'm starting to think it is intentional to almost make us pit ourselves against each other. You know, because there comes a point where everyone cracks, and I've said this fucking a million times in the bloody podcast. You're sitting at home... No seeing loved ones. I've got I've got two friends, right, who are I mean militant on this lockdown. You know, don't come in a hundred miles. Is if I get a delivery, leave it in the driveway. We're going to get a professional kill team in to fucking dispose of that. Then we will take in the shrapnel and rebuild the shrapnel into the thing that we purchased for Amazon. Like absolute fucking militant, right? And then you've got the the scumbags going. Let's go to Amsterdam and then fuck off to Ibiza, man. The clubs are open. It's fucking party season. Once more. Stop it! They're kids here, you Stop it! Look at the hat, man. Look at the boy with the hat on. I wish I could see the the full unedited version. On the ground, on the ground, like a fucking dick, Franco. Stop! Stop! I remove my foot. Unreal. Can't even speak. He's not even. You promise you stop? You promise you fucking shag your boy? I can't. Look at this guy. Cover your nose, you dick. Even the captain's out. The pilot's out. I'm scared of you. Even the pilot's out for a gander going, what the fuck's happening here, man? People make Glasgow. 
People make Glasgow. What can I say? Unreal. If you if you get a chance, check it out. It's uh, no doubt you'll find that on Twitter somewhere. Right. Um, let's move on, shall we? That was spectacular. <laughs> you, you telling me I'm scared of you? Okay, what have we got? I've got a whole load of notes here, and uh, now I can't even read my own uh, handwriting. One, you know, I saw something today as I was driving. Uh, that was quite a severe segue there, but there, there are there are some things in life that um, I I don't understand why they happen, and I think that that manifests in anger, and in, inside me. Obviously, I need I need to go back to a therapist, right? And uh, no, just a wee six weeker you get for free in the NHS. And I probably need to sit down with my therapist and talk to them just every week for the rest of my life, right? There's a couple of things that when I see it, it angers me that people do it. One of them is eating cold beans, right? Now, let me say that again eating cold beans. Um, Straight off the bat, if you eat beans and i mean baked beans like heinz baked beans or hp or little any form of baked bean any kind of bean and a tomato sauce no if it's a you know a fancy fucking balotti bean that's different but i'm talking a tin of baked beans if you eat baked beans i will automatically think you are a lesser person than me right baked beans are the work of the devil it's disgusting all right you shouldn't be eating them and before you say, like, beans are delicious, I, they're no. They're, what are they? They're not even real, right? It's it's made in a lab. It's no real. It's like margarine, right? If you eat beans and you have margarine in your fridge instead of butter, fucking have a word with yourself, right? I guarantee you, I would put money on it. Every single person who has died of COVID-19 likes baked beans and picks margarine over butter. There, I said it. Their immune system's fucked. Shot to bits. Shot to bits now the step up from people who eat baked beans is fucking dirty bastards who eat cold beans out of tin I mean there's a special place in hell for people who eat cold baked beans out of tin I swear to god man I can't even put any words how much it disgusts me so that is one, and again, I saw it today, and then I thought, just why, I, I quit, I just, I, I, anytime I see it, I think, why the, f- what has happened that has led you to this point in life? What decisions, what process did you go through to get to being in this situation at this time? And the thing I saw is, white Scottish men playing basketball. Why? Why? And I know a lot of them are hipsters. Yes, I live in the fucking hipster capital of Scotland. The the, the mecca for hipsters. Yes, I'm 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 body in it. I'm surrounded by them. I can go nowhere. Although a vegan restaurant has actually shut down near us. Progress. White pasty Scottish men playing basketball. And I'm not talking like white Scottish men who are like fucking seven feet. I'm just I'm talking guys like me. Wee barrels playing basketball. Why? Stop it. Just stop it. 
Is this because you all watched a, a Jordan documentary on Netflix? And you're like, I'm going to go to, uh, you know, the sports shop, but not sports direct. I like to buy independent, um, my, my sports regalia. And I'm going to get a Chicago Bulls uh, shirt and a basketball. And I'm going to go down to the, the local basketball court that doesn't actually have a, a, a net on the hoop. It's just a, a basketball hoop above a five-a-side goals built inside come some kind of steel prison. And uh, I'm going to go and shoot some hoops, me and Finley, you know. Do some tricks, do some dribbles, some layups, try some dunks. Um, won't get there though because I'm only five foot eight and the, the basketball hoop's quite tall. But don't tell anyone because sometimes Finley and I climb up in the five-a-side goals and then hang from the hoop, you know, and get pictures taken just to pretend that we've actually done a slam dunk. <laughs> If I ever saw a, a white Scottish guy playing basketball and then him and his friend stopped and went over to drink a can of Dr Pepper and eat some cold baked beans, I think I would murder the two of them right there and then. I wonder if this guy would play basketball as well. Sorry. I can't get it out of my head. Oh, I can't get out of my head. Are you, tell, are you telling me I'm scared of you? Shut up, you dick. Right, um, what have we got here? Um, Quiz in the pub. Hope to come back soon. Glasgow fight play when we play basketball. Um, what time are we at as well, man? Oh, my God. Nearly 40 minutes. Um... I have a question, actually. Let's do that. Let's go. Do you know what? Let's go to a question, man. Let's do that. I've got a question um, that has been asked by uh, one of the Patreonis, uh, Lee Ormiston. It's a great question as well, man. Um, I think I may have talked about this uh, in the past, but um, if it has, I can't remember it. That's probably how long ago it's been. Uh, Lee has asked, and again, you can ask a question. Now, listen, if you're a council viewer like this, right, if you enjoy the podcast and you listen to it or you watch the video and you, you're not a patron, right? That's fair enough. You, you're a council viewer, okay? And it's no that I, I don't love you. It's no that I treat you any any differently than the Patreonis. Uh, it's just that if you were in fire, I wouldn't piss on you, right? That's the way to look at it. You are, you, you know, you, you're the unwanted step. I, I love you, Right? But it's through force rather than choice. Okay? So if you want to ask a question, hey, get on the Facebook page, get on Instagram, drop me a wee message, and uh, you know, and I'll look at it. I will look at it, I'll absorb it, and then I'll go, you're a dirty council bastard. You can fuck off, right? And then I'll go to the Patreonis and ask their question. So basically, what in a roundabout way is, if you want to ask a question, you fucking become a patron. And you should be a patron, but now anyway, right? Three quid. A month. My God. Let, I mean, it's less than the price of a fucking coffee. You know? Less than the price of a coffee. And you are getting eight podcasts a month for three quid. And you're supporting, arguably, one of the greatest stand-up communities that's ever lived. That's what I'm saying. So go on to Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson. Go to the website. All the links are there. Right. Lee has asked... Um, this is one I've asked previously, but I'm sure you're able to fit it in. If you were able to perform at the London Palladium, 
Um, but the Queen is a special guest. Who would you like to share the bill with? This can be any type of act, performers, alive or dead. I would choose Morecambe and Wise, Dave Allen, Richard Pryor, Queen for the music, Stephen Fry to host. Good lineup, Lee. Imagine that lineup. My God, what that would cost you. Right, um, London Palladium uh, would be nice. Uh, in London, I'd love to do the Royal Albert Hall. I'd love to do the Royal Albert Hall. I remember quite a few years ago now, uh, a friend of mine was working for Avalon. I think it was Avalon. Uh, and it was Russell Howard was doing a tour. Uh, talking about Glasgow fights, there was a fight at his Glasgow gig as well. Somebody got kicked in a flight of stairs. Oh, Glas- mother Glasgow! Um, and he played the Albert Hall. And I remember them showing me pictures of them kind of setting it up. But he had it in a round. So he was in the centre and he was playing in a round. Which, there was a, there was a time when that suddenly became the kind of cool thing to do for comics, you know? A few American comics today where, hey, they just played the round and they just they just walked the room like, nah. I can't, I can't think anything worse. Stand-ups, it's, it's, it's war, it's combative. You know, that's why all the terms are violent terms and, 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 and fighting and what, you know, you, did you kill? No one says, did you do well? I did bloody well, yeah. Did you kill it? You know, did you kill the gig? You know, you, you battle an audience and it's just, it's, it's very much kind of, I mean, maybe that's just me, right? Maybe not all comics are aggressive and shouty, but... And it's not a physical fight. But it is a, you know, you against them and a, a bit of heckle. And you're all in this together, but you know, you're fucking, come on, yeah, bastard. So I like to plant the feet back against the wall, you know? Know where my, my, my sight lines are. So doing it in a round, I would hate that. But I remember looking at the pictures of the Royal Albert Hall and also watching Bill Burr's special for there as well and thinking, my God, what a gig that would be. Beautiful. So I'd love to do it there, um, over the London Palladium. But then you've got the history of the Palladium as well, haven't you? Um, so if you're curating a... Curating, that's a good word, curating. If you're curating a, a lineup. Stephen Fry is a host, um, legend. Uh, I like Stephen Fry. Probably, probably a good, probably a good. Ho- you want that kind of, you know, that kind of twat English, you know, not in a negative way. Highly intelligent man, loves a swear word. Very funny. I like it. Good sense of humour. Probably great for a host if you're going for that kind of glitz and glamour TV package. Uh, more coming wise. The, the fact that nobody has... He, here's my thing with Morecambe and Wise, right? As time has gone on from Morecambe and Wise at their peak, you obviously don't appreciate things when you have it. And when you start to look back, um, you kind of fantasise or you talk things up and you, you talk about times that, that they were better than what they actually were. Morecambe and Wise is one of the anomalies with that because they were even better than what people remember I think anyway and the fact that people some people refer to Ant and Deck as the modern Morecambe and Wise only goes to show how little people understand just how incredible Morecambe and Wise were they were 
unbelievable. Unbelievable. And if you've ever watched any of the documentary, Morkin-wise, I, I wish they had went to America. I really, really do. I, I wish they had just a went, just a, just a done it. And I know Eric Morecambe didn't he, didn't he want to go and wanted to be back here and you know I wish they'd have went, man, because they they would have been the biggest double act in in, in the world, you know, in the history of performers. They were incredible, and and another thing is like I've had a little bit of interaction with the BBC in that, you know, you've been down to London, I've done a couple of things down there, and you've been behind the curtain, if you like, and it must be depressing. I know I've got a very good friend who, in Scotland, was referred to as Mr Hugman A, um, because anything around about the Hugman A time, uh, he was involved in, so... Uh, only an excuse was his creation. He was involved with Ricky Fulton for Reverend I Am Jolly. Uh, an incredible writer. Uh, very funny stand-up. And to have been involved in television at that time, you know, and it's here, dear, to the way it is now, must be such a contrast. And I always remember watching old programmes about the BBC and old documentaries about but the BBC, when it was at its peak, you know, when it was at its power, and and it's the the change has been dramatic. I mean, not that long. I mean, maybe as far back as The Office was probably the last time, and the whole thing was like when people went to the BBC, they used to wear a shirt and tie. You know, now to a lot of people, that maybe means nothing, but to me, that means a lot. You would wear a shirt and tie at the BBC because it was the BBC for fuck's sake. You know that this was at that time in this country. That was it. You'd you'd hit the ceiling. That was this. You were at the BBC, shirt and tie on, professional, business like. You're going to a meeting. Whereas now you walk in and it's, you know, different coloured walls and bean bags and breakout rooms and fucking meetings with glass panels and. It certainly is not what it once was, and it's not the powerhouse it once was at all. You know, it's, I think it's been slow to move with the times. And I think a lot of the times the BBC, uh, especially when it comes to comedy and, and light entertainment, I think they, they don't have the finger on the pulse anymore. And I think it's a lot of people who are in decision-making positions or responsible for putting out content. I don't think they understand what people want. And then people start to look at some things that are on the BBC uh, with regards to comedy, and they think, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe th- this is funny. And you're like, no, you're no wrong. It's generally not funny. A lot of it is awful. Morkin and Wise have been there for me. Um, I would probably have to put in the Grumbleweeds if you remember them, just for nostalgia, because that was the very first ever uh, live thing that I saw. My my grandparents, I remember, took. We used to go to Blackpool every year. And uh, they took us to one of the theatres in Blackpool and the, the Grumbleweeds, where it was the show. They were the, the top act uh, and they had a few guest people in and out. Uh, and I remember falling in love with theatre then. It's just incredible. I'll never forget it. It was amazing and hilarious. As a wee guy, I was fucking pissing myself. So I need to stick it, man. Um, here's a controversial one for you, man. See old clips, I don't even know if it's still available on, on YouTube, see old clips of Michael Barrymore, 
doing like the Royal Variety. Fucking hell, man. That's some funny stuff. When that man was, you know, before the old fucking swimming pool parties, when that man was at his peak, he was a funny man. You know, he, what an entertainer. Regardless of what you think, you know, now, or whether you care or not, I'm, I, I think the man's funny. I'd, I'd like to see him back in some kind of capacity, but old school Barrymore stick in it. Who's the other guy? Really fucking. It's a puppet. What was his name? Oh my god, I'm going to have to Google this now. Um. So, Richard Pryor, you've got in there. I'd have Richard Pryor. Obviously, I'm having Billy Connolly. Uh, I would like to have Bill Burr in there as well, because right now he's one of my absolute favourites. If we're going down the comedy route, Eddie Pepitone, um, who, by the way, has got a special out on Amazon. Uh, it's a fiver, and it's one of the best specials that's been out, certainly this year. Anyway, hands down, one of the best specials. Um, so check that out if you if you want to see some good comedy. Eddie Pepitone. Right. Uh, what was his name? Brian Connolly. Brian Connolly! It's a puppy. Remember Brian Connolly? I don't know what he's going to be doing in this. You know? Fuck it. We'll stick him in there as well. Maria Banford. I'm having Maria Banford. It's very comedy heavy. Um... Colin Cloud, who's a friend of mine, get him in for a bit of magic. Uh, music, I'm having Wet, 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 and I'm having Tenacious D. There you go. What a line What a lineup! <laughs> Imagine that for a Royal Variety performance. Here's the thing with the Royal Variety, right? And, and I think, listen, I'm not a royalist, okay? Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And if I'm being honest with you, I think, see when the Queen, I like the Queen, right? I like her. She's the gaffer of the most fucked up organisation on the planet, right? Now, again, I'm no a royalist. Before you all go, oh, fucking God, save the Queen, big man, is it? Give me back my three quid. I think when the Queen goes, fucking get rid of a lot of them. That's what I think. That's what I think we should do. Wait, name me a royal variety. The rest of them can fuck off. When old Lizzie takes her final bow, boom, it's done. Right? Buckingham Palace, strip it. Get it on eBay, turn that into fucking Airbnbs, let the Saudis buy it, fuck those. But what a Royal Variety performance that would be. Stephen Fry, Michael Barrymore, Brian Connolly, uh, Billy Connolly, Richard Pryor, Bill Burr, Maria Bamford, Eddie Pepitone, uh, Wet Wet Wet, Tenacious D, Colin Cloud. And then you need to fling, like, some acrobatics in there. Like, Blue Man Group, some shit like that. I mean, fucking Celine Dion. Fuck it, get her in as well. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? What a lineup that would be. Lee, good question. Thank you very much indeed. Good question. Um, Lee has obviously said she'd have me in there. Or, sorry, he would have me in there as well. And um, I'd, I would have me in there too. I'd do it in the middle, but, you know, the sweet spot. Uh, the poof spot so there's no pressure on me but a good question and uh, if you too would like to ask a question uh, become Patreon go to patreon.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson um, you know just do it man it's worth it right um, well, I've got a couple of news stories so let's do it um, we're going to talk about this earlier on right so the government has um, a new initiative uh, that they've launched which is uh, eat out to help out let me see that again. 
The government's initiative is called Eat Out to Help Out. Now, some of us have been eating out to help out for quite some time. I'm an eight lads. How on earth in this think tank or fucking Cobra meeting did nobody at any point raise concerns over calling an initiative Eat Out to Help Out? Did nobody think that that was going to be an issue at all? So the BBC obviously have got the articles um, Eat Out to Help Out will definitely affect the weekend apparently as they they are, they are saying. Um, th- th- this article has actually got um, a, a business owner who's unsure. Uh, let, in fact let me just read this to you right. So restaurant owner uh, Lubnep Sharevgik Sharevgik Seradovic, restaurant owner Lubnik Sheradovic, is exactly the kind of person who should be benefiting from the Chancellor's uh, Rishi Sunak's Eat Out to Help Out scheme. I mean, even just saying it sounds weird. It just sounds dirty. Eat Out to Help Out. <laughs> it's, it sounds creepy, man. I don't know if it's the Glasgow accent. Would you like to eat out to help out, young man? <laughs> I went on your granny, son. Go and eat you and help it. What? Oh. Hey, know that, I, know that I'm not a fan of eating it to help it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying. Uh, the Serbian-born businessman. What kind of gaff is he running? Uh, Serbian-born, the Serbian-born businessman uh, likes to sell off-cuts of human flesh. What? The Serbian-born businessman has been the owner of the Boulevard restaurant in South Croydon since 1999. Uh, he initially welcomed lockdown as a chance to take a break and refurbish his restaurant. Oh, you know, as you do. As you do, Lubick. Eh? Global pandemic. You know, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm taking this as a chance to redecorate, you know. Forget about the fact that the world wasn't his arse. Um, in 21 years he hadn't had a proper holiday don't believe that for a minute and he's ready to serve customers again he's taking part in the government's meal discount scheme which runs between Monday and Wednesdays through August but he's not crazy about it at all he says I have more bookings than I normally have for Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday but my Friday, Saturday and Sundays are worse it will definitely affect the weekend and we won't have as many people as normal as we normally have listen I can I can understand that um Again, it's one of those things in, in, in politics, and certainly now, you know, the government's damned if they do and damned if they don't, right? So they're, they're trying to think up schemes and ideas in order to generate money uh, coming into restaurants and cafes, bars that, that are part of this scheme. And if you don't know the scheme is, you get 50% off your bill, right? So it's, it's a decent one, and... We, like my missy said, we've made the wrong decision to start eating healthy when some of the, our favourite restaurants are now giving 50% off. Were restaurateurs consulted on this? Was Were they on board in the decision making or was this something just taken by the government? I don't know. Again, you can't please everybody. You know, it's no surprising that the BBC focuses on the people who are complaining about stuff because that seems to be the way that the fucking BBC go these days. Is it a good thing? I would say yes. If it's going to get people out and eating and putting money in the economy and helping local businesses on on nights of the week when it maybe historically would have been quiet, great. Will the weekends be affected by it? I I don't know. 
I don't know is the answer. Um, I imagine most people will be getting takeaways at the weekend. So I think as long as your business is doing is doing that on the food side, I think you'll probably be okay. But again, if we are looking at reducing prices, and, and let's be honest, there are a lot of restaurants out there who should be reducing their prices anyway because they are they are taking the piss, you know. So if it gets people in, uh, I think it's only a good thing. Um, the worry for that is, although it's just a month, does it affect it at the other end, just like lockdown drinking has, you know? Are, are a lot of people happy to go back into a bar and pay four five six pound a pint when you've been getting you know six seven eight cans for that price are you happy to go back into a bar and pay 18 20 25 pound for a bottle of wine when you've been getting a bottle of wine for five seven ten pounds in the supermarket are people going to be happy to go back to paying full price for the same food in the same restaurant when they've been getting it for half price the month before I don't know, and it's it's one of these things where, you know, you, you've got to try everything, I suppose, to to generate some kind of, of business. Um, but Lubnik isn't he happy. Uh, he doesn't look happy. He, he looks as if he, you know, he looks as if he's trafficked people. I'm just going to say it, right? I'm just going to say it. He's doing well. His restaurant is thriving in South Croydon. Uh, and he's used the time to refurbish because he's not the holiday in 21 years. And I imagine he's not the holiday because, you know, his passport was taken off him by the Serbians uh, after he did his last mission in order to go out and kill some Russian spies. He's a terrifying-looking big guy. Um, but I would maybe go down to his restaurant just to, to check it out. Um, the article goes on to say the other big problem with the scheme um, is that it only covers food. All right, so not alcohol. I thought it covered food and drink, uh, and that makes it confusing to administer uh, I mean does it really surely you've got a till I, I suppose a lot of these things are maybe driving people towards digital in the sense that there will be a lot of businesses and you've got to take your hat after them man in a global pandemic you know the, the businesses that are still cash only you've got to take your hat after them I mean they are clinging on to fucking tax fraud f- for dear life you know it's cash only, mate. We don't have cash anymore because it's a fucking global pandemic that can be transferred person to person through droplets on money, things like that, mate. So I'll just use my card. Oh, we only accept cash, mate. You've got you've got to admire these people. Desperate to hang on to the cashless system, you know? So when they do the books, they go, oh, we, we only sold two pizzas the whole fucking first quarter of the year, mate. Shocking. I don't know how the business has kept going. I didn't know it was just food, though. I thought it was drink as well. But that's that's where the markup always is, you know. The the food. Anytime you've gone to a restaurant, like a, a nice restaurant, right? It doesn't need to be pure Michelin star, fucking high end. Just a nice restaurant. I mean, a bottle of wine now. You're you're getting no change off twenty quid. Easy, you know, maybe twenty five, twenty eight quid, for a decent bottle of wine in a in an average restaurant. You know, even if you're on soft drinks, you got a couple of cokes. You're looking at two fifty a pop. You know, so the the alcohol and the drink side has always been the kind of markup. It's always been the encouragement. But I didn't know the offer didn't apply that, so it's just food. We're learning. We're learning something by the big Glubnik. Uh, it's very complicated technically to separate them, he says, when you're only accepting cash and writing everything down and nothing's going through the books. We've got to do it manually. Jesus Christ, Glubnik. 
and I need to do it myself because I want to check it. Uh, I want to check it's been done properly uh, so I know how to cook the books. It would have been much easier to do, to do it for everything. They should have found some way to make it simpler. I mean, surely the emphasis is on the restaurateur to, to implement the system. And again, I imagine you don't have to be part of it. You know, if you are a restaurant or or a, or a food place, that you, you don't have to be part of the scheme. I imagine you have to opt up, opt into it. I don't think the government saying you, you've got to give everybody half after dinner or we're fucking shutting you down. And I also imagine if there are restaurants out there that are probably reasonably priced and maybe saying, listen, we, we're we not going to be part of it because we we always have our menus reasonably priced and if we were to offer you at 50%, we couldn't have the same quality um, of 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 product we produce because it, it just we can't do it for less than cost, so up your bam. Most of the Monday lunchtime customers at the Boulevard were there because of special occasions. They said the prospect of price reduction played little part in their decision to eat out, um, which I think that's probably true as well. I don't think 50% discount on food is, would necessarily encourage me to eat out only because money's tight anyway, so if we were going to do it, you'd maybe do it on a night that suits you, or you maybe go to a restaurant that suits you, and if the restaurant was to say, you know, we're not part of that scheme, you're, you're still going to go there because you wanted to go to that restaurant, so I don't think it would it would sway my decision. Um, but again, people will be different. Um, they said the process of Charlotte J's boyfriend, Alex uh, Horrible, lives and works in Birmingham. The pair have been apart since lockdown began, and Alex has had to come spend. Alex has come spend the week with her. Um, we would have come out for lunch regardless, but I think it helped in deciding where to go. Said Charlotte about the discount scheme. There you go. Uh, and they've got another couple here. Uh, civil servant Liz Bonnie has been working from home during the pandemic, but had come out to celebrate her birthday with friends. She said she had not been aware of the eat out to help out scheme. How can you how can you not be aware of it? You know? How can you not be aware of this Liz? There's a wee Lizzie there. Um We we could have just stayed in the pub, but I like the local ambiance, says Liz. Uh, her friend and her friend Anne Stewart, who works as a barmaid in a nearby uh, pub, agreed. I do think it's a really good thing that the government are doing because we need to support local businesses, uh, said Anne. So there you go. Liz and Anne there. And uh, the worrying concern about Liz and Anne is that Liz said uh, she would have eaten out regardless of the discount. What she's eaten out um, remains to be seen. Again, a truly terrifying thing. To call the government scheme. Eat out to help out. What did they think was going to happen? Right, what are we at, man, time-wise? Uh, in the name of God, we're over an hour. Um, I was going to try and keep this nice and tight as well. Right, I'm just trying to think of things that we've still got to mention. Um, uh, we'll keep that for where, for Friday. Um, we'll keep that for Friday and we'll keep that for Friday. I put up a wee post the other day, actually, on uh, Instagram talking about... Uh, countries that I've been watching Anthony Bourdain again. I've I've, lo I've become lost in the man. He's a, a genuine hero uh, of mine. I love him. I love all of his work. I've been lost in it again. And uh, interesting the way he talks about certain places. And uh, one of the episodes is in Paris, Paris, uh, a country that I hate, despise is France. And Paris 
is uh, at the centre of that hatred. Um, so I put up a wee post to say, if uh, regardless of how many people um, try and tell you otherwise or try and uh, encourage you to visit a city, is there a city that you just believe is a shite hole and you never want to go back to? Um, interesting, quite a few people got in touch with some some quite interesting answers. Um, so I'll talk about that on Friday uh, in the Patreon episode. And uh, if there are any cities that you've been to that you think uh, you know you were told was amazing and wonderful, or places where you should have been, uh, like you know before I went to Paris, I was like, oh, you're gonna love Paris. Oh my God, Paris, Paris. Oh, walk along the Seine and the fucking Paris and the Paris. And I got there, and it was a shite hole. If there's anywhere that you have had that experience, get in touch and tell me, man. And we'll talk about it on the podcast on Friday. So, if you'd like to get Friday's episode and you'd like to listen to all the previous episodes, I think there's almost 28 hours worth of extra episodes on the Patreon, as well as uh, the stand-up special and the comedy albums and all other bits and pieces, then go to Patreon, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Big Scott Gibson and sign up for as little as three quid a month and you can get access to that. Right, team, thank you very much um, for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast, share it on your social medias, encourage friends and family to listen and let's try and build these numbers. I will be back again uh, next week with another podcast uh, on the Council Channels and uh, tonight uh, and every Wednesday for the full time that we are in lockdown, I will be doing the uh, quiz. So come and check that out on the Facebook page, which is Scott Gibson Comedy and like that page if you don't. Right. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, Take care of yourselves, wash your hands and your asshole, and I'll see you in a bathroom soon. Take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.